This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 80 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we ask how often do you run a CBC on your horse? Our new Critter Corner focuses on ferrets. In Critter Nutrition, we address the needs of the senior horse. And in Coffee Clatch, we talk about dog paws. Listen in. Hey, Tiggs. How you doing there, Angel? <laughs> Hanging on by my fingernails. It's coming to the end soon. Soon, soon. For the listeners that don't know, Tigger is in Wellington, which is a wonderful place to be. But it also can be very stressful, which is great. <laughs> for why she's there for the horses but sometimes humans can make other humans crazy as well as well as traffic right uh traffic yeah yeah it's gotten quite busy down there huh last week was the big hunter week Mm. and there's just a certain kind of escalation of stress for the big show hunter week that is just you can't really describe it. It permeates everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet. So um, for the for the uninitiated ladies, Tigger, I'll let you take this on. Kind of give us what what is Wellington WEF? What is that? What to kind of give us paint us a picture of what it is for because some people have never been to World the the WEC or the WEF or anywhere else near Florida, and they might be curious. Well, this is the biggest winter circuit in the world. There's about 15,000 horses here. The circuit starts in January. It runs till the beginning of April. And it's every week. Yeah. (laughs) And on the horse show, the hunter-jumper side, it kind of starts on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe the, the jog for the for the jumpers and it's sort of a Tuesday through Sunday thing on the dressage side. The uh, jog is usually on Wednesday and it's a Thursday through Sunday thing. So it's, and it's every week. And if it's not in, if the dressage isn't at the facility in Wellington, it's in Loxahatchee. So basically every weekend there's, there's always a hunter jumper show and there's generally always a dressage show. And these are these these shows if I get if I grasp the concept correctly are really designed for people to bring their horses and get them qualified for things. Either qualified to move up a level, qualified for a championship. These are all about qualifications. So they're they're pretty important to the owners and the riders. Mm-hmm. Well, on the dressage side, that's true. On the hunter jumper side, it's, um, I mean, they're, uh, the hunters are going for points. The elite jumpers, of course, are trying to make future Nation Cup teams. 
Um, we've got the Pan Am Games this year. So, and maybe they're going to move a horse up from a meter 30 to a meter 40 this this season. So, and a lot of sale, horse sales is, are going on. I mean, an unbelievable amount of horses are imported to Florida during the circuit and and are imported, you know, for sale. Mm-hmm. So there's right. a lot of horse sales. There's it, it's 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 so horse that in the middle of season, which is right about now, everybody's like, "Oh my god, I need a vacation." Yeah, yeah. yeah it gets <laughs> the pretty farriers intense. are tired. The vets are tired. The riders are tired. The owners are tired. The amateur owners are tired. I, I, I mean, it's and and you never. I mean, I haven't been to the beach in uh, let's see. The last three years, I have not, there's no time to go to the beach. Right. Because it's just day in, day out. Day in, day out. Yeah. 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 It's, so that so, creates a lot of, a lot of stress for everybody. Yes. For yes. everybody, horses and dogs. And of course, Wellington and in their infinite wisdom, once again, this is the second year in a row, decided that during season is the perfect time to dig up the dog park. Aww. So to lay concrete walks so they closed the small dog park and the medium dog park this year they I, I don't even know what they're doing that they've closed the small dog park and the medium dog park and they've taken the large dog park and divided it in half and the really crappy side is for the big dogs and the medium-sized dogs and the big side is for the little dogs which makes no sense whatsoever and so you have all these dogs converging in two areas and there's a dog fight every single day. Aww. Every single so day. So even the puppies are stressed. They're stressed. And why Wellington couldn't wait till April? This yeah. is supposed to take a month. Yeah. They start it in February. It'll be over in March. But why they couldn't have waited until April to May when a lot of the dogs are gone? It, it just... And this is the second year in a row, and it just shows me that the the, the town governance they don't they don't care about the winter people. You, you know, they're just not taking that. And even though we're the ones who are paying all the taxes, all the, yeah. all, all the yeah. you know, yeah. we, fifteen we, fifteen thousand horses and it's, the it's, people that it's a take lot the care of income yeah, coming lot, into yeah. the town of Wellington. Yeah. To pay for everything. Yeah. So with all that stress floating around, horses, people, dogs, all showing signs of stress and are much more likely to come down with something. So our roundtable discussion today is has has to do with that. And take it away, Tigger, because Patty and I have, have questions about okay. your question. Good so question. my question for our roundtable discussion is, you know, how often do you run a CBC on your horse? I run a CBC on my horses once a year. It's generally in the spring, and I do so to to get a establish where they are in terms of white blood cells, red blood cells, vitamin E, selenium, copper, zinc, calcium, magnesium. I want to get a reading on is there a warning sign of something that I need to start paying attention to? Selenium. Is selenium too low? And because I've been doing this for so long, I have a really good history on these horses. One of the reasons that I think it's so important is that I've 
been looking at a lot of different hay analysis that people send me to review, and I'm shocked at the low levels of vitamin E. I'm shocked at the low levels of selenium. I'm shocked sometimes at the inverse ratio of too much phosphorus and not enough calcium or the low protein. And so I think it's a really good idea to always run a CBC for a performance source, I would say twice a year, spring and fall. Know where you are all the time because you can catch things with a CBC. You know, if the white blood cell count is up, hmm, the horse may be fighting something. There may be something going on with the immune system and you want to catch it before it really becomes a problem. You also really want to look at mineral levels. That's right now, I would say that is just, that is so crucial because the hay is so unreliable in terms of really providing total nutrition. So for a CBC, is a CBC all the same or do you get a CBC and you can kind of cherry pick what you want? Is it just say, I want this and you get this? Or do you say, I need a CBC done and I need these 10 things? How does that work? There's a, there's a basic CBC and then you have to ask, you have to request to make sure selenium, E, copper, zinc is included in the CBC. All right. So. And do you feel like most vets just don't do that? Yes. Why do you think that is? Well, some labs you have to don't won't do the mineral testing, so it has to go out somewhere else. Okay. And I I think a lot of vets, like a lot of nutritionists like myself, we've been under the assumption that you know hay and forage and feed are providing pretty much what the horse needs, but mm-hmm. not necessarily. But not necessarily. Right. So. If you get a CBC done, I, I, I get where you're going with this now, because if you never do a CBC until your horse has an issue, mm-hmm. you don't know, let's say one of those numbers is off. You don't know yep. if that number has been off for four years and it's, re- and it's not related to what you're looking at now. Exactly. Or if it happened a month ago and it is really, now it's making sense because so, it gives you you know, you your baseline. horse gives you a baseline. Your horse is at this performance level and this fitness level and this diet. And this is what a CB tells me. And now CBC, yeah. or CBC. So nine months later, he's showing signs of fatigue that shouldn't be there. So you do another Correct. CBC. Mm-hmm. You can compare it to when he appeared not fatigued and you go, Correct. Oh, this, these, these two numbers are different. Those are the things we need to address rather than just throwing a dart at a dartboard. And, and there are some horses that have just inherently low levels of vitamin E. And no matter how much vitamin E you give them, their levels stay just below normal. Isn't that well, interesting? Yeah. Um, and, and I thought it was rare, but I'm running into more of them. So if you have a baseline CBC and you give the horse like Elevate, and it's a very good vitamin E. And then you retest in six weeks or eight weeks and you notice that the needle hasn't moved. And then you retest again uh, two months later and the needle still hasn't moved. That's when you can go, this may be this horse's normal. Is normal. Interesting. So what can be normal for a horse, maybe the, the parameter is a little bit wider than what the established. Correct would be because the scientists say it should be here when in fact 
horses genetically are going, no, nah, it's a little bit wider range than that. Interesting. Right. See, mm-hmm. all these yeah. questions are being answered. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? So what else, under what circumstances, let's say you do a baseline annually on your horse, mm-hmm. under what circumstances might you want to do a CBC or your vet recommend you do one besides your annual, just keep an eye on things? Well, certainly when the horse is sick, they, they'll pull blood and do a CBC, just like they would with a dog. You know, mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if a horse is sick, vets pull the blood immediately because they want to see what's going on. Remember, the, the blood is telling you what's happening now. When you do a hair analysis, it's telling you what happened right. in the past, mm-hmm. which may or may not be a good indicator. Right, because the- it's not the present. Yeah, you want to see what disease process is going on right now. Right. Are there things that p- can be amiss in your horse? You're going, calling the vet. Something's wrong with my horse. It's going off. Are there things that a CBC can't tell you? Well, it can't tell you exactly what the disease is. Well, no, it can't tell you. what the problem is. Influenza. Yeah, it can't <laughs> yeah, tell you that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it, it has its limitations. Mm-hmm. But it... it it's such a good overall t- tool for health. It's like when you go in for your yearly checkup and they're going to look at your cholesterol and your sugar and it's kind of the same thing for the horse. So at what point, cause the horses that live in your backyard, Tigger are your seniors. Yes. So, and they get done annually and competitive yep. horses. You're looking at twice a year. I'd, I'd say twice a year for sure. For a wow. your your average backyard casual weekend warrior type competitor, is that annual one going to be a good say idea annual, as well? Yes. Yeah. And uh, tell tell me again which ones you need to tell the vet to add on because I'm going to forget them. You want to ensure when the, when you say you want a CBC, make sure you're going to get vitamin E, selenium, copper, zinc. I feel like I know what CBC is all about now, besides yep. the name of my bank. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that was the, that was what uh, Jennifer wanted to add to this, is that's the name of her bank. Aha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know, huh? So, Patty P., how often do you run a CBC? I, not unless there's an issue. Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, and I, you know, I really feel pretty fortunate. Thank you. I hope this doesn't change anything, but, you know. Careful what you say, yeah. Um, for the, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> You know, I've always been very fortunate that way, but I've also been very blessed to work with some pretty amazing vets too. But yeah, I mean, I only, I only really do it when there is an issue, but I'm certainly going to look at it different. You, yeah. you really want to pull it when they're healthy. Yeah. Well, or when we think that they're healthy, because there's been a couple of times with Lion that um, noticed that his selenium was, it, it was on the low side. And that's when I knew, up oh, got to add some selenium yeast. Right. You're a wealth of knowledge, little Thank Tigger you. Really. <laughs> Thank wealth you. of knowledge. And I mean, Jennifer, I'm sure you would agree to this. It's kind of irritating. Right? <laughs> <laughs> irritating in a good way. I mean, that was the nicest compliment a girl you know, could give. If, if, she well, was say, if she wasn't so if she wasn't so daggone nice, I'd hold it against her. Well, and she's always she's always thinking about the animal. But I mean, I just gotta tell you, it's sort of like really I was trying to learn I was trying to learn the words from like episode seventy still. You know what I mean? Now we're at, you know <laughs> the learning just keeps going. Keep well, your mind open. I just wanted to say that in terms of annoying we need to talk to Hedwig. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, perfect. 
Let's do that. Let's get Hedwig. Okay. Hi, so, Hetty, um, I, I know you've been Some. you've been practicing a song, and we think everybody. I have. Uh, I'm thinking of using it. You are. I'm thinking of using it for my campaign. Your campaign? Oh, do the tell. President. Everyone's running for president, and I am the best candidate. Obviously, I should win. Okay. I can't wait I to hear about your platform. Maybe I will you make can the ex- country better. My platform is amazing. You're going to hey. love it. Do you do you by chance express this in a song? Well, so this is sort of you know every candidate needs a song that is confirms the zeitgeist of their campaign, and I feel this is mine. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you are you buckled up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> one pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small. And the ones the servant gives you don't do anything at all. Go ask Hetty <laughs> when she was just born. And if you go chasing goblins, then you know you're going to fall. And a hooker smoking wookies. Has given you the call for Hetty when she was ten feet tall. In your dreams, when Hetty. When the men on the checkboard get up and tell you where to go, and you just had some pig or mushrooms, and your mind is moving on. Go ask Teddy. She always knows when the and proportion have fallen far behind, and the white knight talking backwards, and the red queen says, "Off and head, remember." What my sister said, see your heady, see your heady. Lovely. Bravo. Bravo. Well done. Great job, Hetty. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'll be here here all week, happy time, and I'm going to be an amazing president. And now it's time for the breed of the show. Well, we have now arrived at our newly named Critter Corner because we want to do just different critters, which we do at time to time. But this this time we're going to focus on ferrets. Tigger, have you ever had a ferret? I have not, but I've had a roommate who had a ferret. Well, you know, I've always been intrigued by them because I always knew that they were sort of cat-like and didn't really understand that much about them. But they're really kind of interesting little beings. They're they're basically a domesticated form of the European polecat. Did you know that? I did not know that. 
I didn't know there was a European polecat. I didn't either. That's kind of what was my (laughs) good point. But they're they're in the same family as the weasel and the mink. They're obviously kind of long and skinny. Their length can be anywhere from like 51 centimeters to like 20 inches. There, they can be anywhere from uh, uh, 1.5 pounds up to 4.4 pounds, which I think would be pretty hefty for a little booger. They, their lifespan is five to eight years. Um, so the biggest thing that I, I, I got from my research is that they're really, you know, <laughs> I saw over and over again is they're curious and covered with fur <laughs> and they, they're very, they're very active, um, but quiet and highly intelligent. And their original purpose was to help like, uh with rodents in grain stores and flush out rabbits and moles and stuff like that. So they basically were, you know, they're little hunters, but the Latin term or the Latin word, and I'm not going to do this justice. So I apologize to any people that have ferrets, furtuous, F-U-R-I-T-T-U-S, meaning little thief. So apparently (laughs) (laughs) they're intelligent little guys that, that really can play games and they're very interactive. And I don't know, Tigger, if you like your experience with them, but you know, it 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 sounds like they are quite comical, and each one of them has. Are they not related to the weasel? No, they are. They're related to the weasel and the mink. They're they're all within that same sort of family. Okay. They, but they sleep a lot, which I w- I found very interesting. Um, and I had two sort of different reports. One said they sleep a lot, and they tend to wake up in the early, you know early hours of the morning and then they're awake all day. And then I read another one that said it was kind of the opposite, but basically it sounds like they do sleep a lot, um, anywhere from 14 to 18 hours a day. But very interestingly, they have, they have a very high metabolism, which means they need to be fed often and, and, and basically, um, like a cat, you know, constantly have food in front of them. But as far as their their trainability, they can be trained to use a litter box. I think they're somewhat similar. They're a little bit cat-like, however, and like cats, they are hunters. So if you decide that you want to have one in your family, you have to be very careful introducing one to your to your family. I mean, it's just sort of like any pet. You want to take the time to socialize them to anything else you have you know, in, in your house. They're very, very social. Um, they love interactive or interaction, but they're incredibly active. So, you know, during the day, or if you're working, um, you know, when you come home, you need to have, you need to basically entertain them like you would a dog or a cat, you know, getting them out and, um, you know, playing with them and interacting with them. And they're very social, very loyal, very snuggle, very, you know, very cute. They're kind of like dogs and cats in, in the sense that, you know, even though they're a told total different type of critter, they're very similar um, in the sense that they're going to need the attention. They're going to need to go see the vet. You know, I've never had one, so this was sort of a different um, place for me to look at at an animal. So they're based they they because of their metabolism and their their need for a, you know to be fed all the time. It's very important to get with a vet if you decide to purchase one and make sure you get them a high quality food. I had read a couple things that said you can give them cat food and then I read something else that said that's very old school and I guess they actually make a ferret food now that is very high protein. So it's just important to make sure that you get this especially formulated diet that you would talk to your vet about. 
so then there's where where do you if you decide that you you know you look them up and you see that there's something that would be maybe a great fit for your family because they really will do well in an apartment in an apartment it's not like you have to have a lot of room it's it's smart it's very very important to get involved with the vet and then figure out where you're going to get them because there's obviously breeders you can get them at like a Petco or a PetSmart, but you also can go online. And this is what I thought was kind of neat is there's a lot of adoption sites because I think a lot of people get them and then are just overwhelmed because they don't take the time um, or don't know to take the time. I shouldn't say it like that, you know, to socialize them and how to keep them, which leads to um, where you keep them. If you work during the day, where do you keep them? Well, you just basically get a wire crate like you do for a a dog. Um, You can have a litter pan in there. And they'll do quite well as long as as you get them out and have activity with them at night. So um, they they are because they're highly intelligent and sociable. They really will do well with children, but they recommend an older child, not not something very young, because they do have very similar mouths to like a cat. So they can, um, you know. Not, not that they're going to bite, but you have to teach them to not be nippy. So as far as where you would keep them, you would keep them in a wire crate. Some people, I think, that uh, believe that they can keep them like in a aquarium like you would a, a lizard or whatever. But they really need ventilation because they're going to be using a litter box just like they would a cat. So you have to be careful about that. But overall, um, they are... They seem like they are just adorable. (laughs) They're adorable. They are very social. You can have them around children. You need to be careful about the age of the kids. You don't want to go probably younger than about 10. Um, And I think they would make kind of a a, a good apartment pet if you're searching for a animal to add to your family and you don't want to go with a cat or a dog. This would definitely be something to consider. Their cost is going to be anywhere from $65 to $350. So that was a little bit of a shock to me. Um, But um, do your research and get involved with the vet and make sure it has a good feeding program. And it could be a great addition to your family. Now we're at Critter Nutrition. And today's segment is for the love of the senior horse. Senior horses are a lot like senior citizens in the human world, sometimes undervalued. But knowing one is an amazing journey of experience and teaching if we take the time to listen. As the proud owner of a 33-year-old Hanoverian named Lionheart, I know that taking care of a senior horse is both a privilege and at times a challenge. With the advancements in veterinary medicine, Horses are living longer, and more retirement farms are dedicated to letting retired horses live in groups and develop close relationships with each other. I have a small group of senior horses at my farm, all over the age of 25. Taking care of these horses has taught me a lot. The importance of living in groups and how exercise, nutrition, and dentistry play key roles in the lives of senior horses. Horses forge close relationships in groups. They are biologically wired to live together, graze together, groom each other, and take turns keeping an eye out for predators and other dangers. This herd bonding, I believe, contributes hugely to the horse's well-being and overall health. Horses who have spent most of their lives in stalls with daily turnout will need some time to adjust to life in a herd or group situation. It took Lionheart six months to transition. 
One day, as I led him out to his paddock, he looked over at the herd, and I could tell he wanted to join them, so I turned him out with the other horses. He has lived with them ever since. Exercise. Although the retired horses at my farm are not ridden, they walk up and down hills, moving from one grazing area to another in a very large pasture with woods and a creek. They eat, they walk, they eat, they walk. This, I think, is an important component to their longevity, moving. More and more horses in their late teens and 20s are still competitive, and others enjoy being ridden and going for hacks. Exercise is one of the best ways of increasing circulation to the joints, to the whole body, and to the feet. Nutrition. There are several important nutritional considerations with the senior horse. Protein. Older horses may have a harder time maintaining muscle. These horses need more protein so that the body does not cannibalize itself by breaking down its own muscle to provide enough protein for many biological needs. Adding alfalfa hay and or alfalfa pellets or cubes will provide more protein to the diet. Knowing the protein content of your hay is important as protein values can range significantly among different hays. For added protein support, I like to use Biostar's Locomotion EQ, which provides the branch chain amino acids. If the senior horse has metabolic challenges, I will use Biostar's Impulsion EQ for added protein with an NSC of 5.1%. Probiotics. The microbes in the GI tract play an important role in mineral absorption in the body. Horses out on pasture 24-7 have access to the soil microorganisms. But in the wintertime, with no fresh grass available, they will need probiotic supplementation to help support mineral absorption. The same is true for horses on dry lots or on limited turnout. Certain beneficial bacteria help the digestion of protein and simple carbohydrates, as well as the complex carbohydrates that are broken down in the hindgut. Active yeast probiotics work primarily in the hindgut, helping to break down and digest fiber. For older horses, particularly in winter when they tend to lose some body condition, adding a yeast probiotic can help them maintain their weight. Low starch. Senior horses, particularly the easy keepers, benefit from a low starch, low sugar feed plan. The hard keepers may need higher amounts of fat from the addition of rice bran and or coconut meal. I like to keep the NSC at 12% or lower. If a senior horse is already IR or Cushing's, then I want to make sure the NSC is not higher than 10%. The omega fatty acids. When horses do not have access to fresh pasture 8 to 10 hours per day, they need omega-3 supplementation. Flax and chia are excellent omega-3 sources. Chia seeds also provide the additional benefit of their mucilage content, which can help remove sand and debris from the GI tract as psyllium does. Vitamin E. Numerous analysis of various hays over the past few years indicate reduced vitamin E levels compared with prior years. In wintertime, when fresh pasture isn't available, it is imperative that senior horses be supplemented with vitamin E. I use camelina oil because of its high vitamin E content and the balance of omega-369. Kentucky Performance Products has an excellent vitamin E supplement called Elevate. Minerals. Commercial feeds are fortified with vitamins and minerals, but not in their most bioavailable forms. Mineral salt blocks are important for providing salt, but since they are just compressed blocks, rocks, essentially, they don't provide adequate trace minerals that can be readily absorbed. Plants chelate minerals with free amino acids, thus making the minerals more bioavailable. 
We used to be able to depend on our hay to supply those chelated minerals, but in the last few years, mineral compositions in hay has been lower in microminerals like zinc, copper, and selenium. Some grass hays do not have the correct ratio of calcium to phosphorus to magnesium. Some will be too high in phosphorus and too low in calcium. Some have a disproportionately small amount of magnesium. Iron and potassium levels can be considerably high in many different hays. Because chelated minerals are more bioavailable, it is important for senior horses to be supplemented with a multivitamin mineral that is sourced from plants, such as Biostar's Optimum Senior JS, which includes the active yeast probiotics and joint support. In addition to Optimum Senior, I add Thorvin Kelp in the wintertime to help augment trace minerals and provide more salt since the horses aren't getting fresh pasture. Joint Support Many senior horses have arthritis and there are loads of joint support products on the market to choose from. One product may work for one senior horse but not for another. Or a product may work well for a few months or even several years and then appear to lose effectiveness as the horse ages. I have Lionheart on Optimum JS because he does well with the additional joint support in that formula. I also give him Biostar's Circuvate EQ, which helps increase nitric oxide production in the body. Nitric oxide is the master circulatory molecule. Older horses benefit from circulatory support, just as they benefit from exercise and moving around their pastures. Some senior horses need both circulatory support and support for inflammation. I love turmeric and boswellia for the anti-inflammatory assistance. It's an alternative to bute and isoxaprine. Dentistry. Lionheart has had good dental care his entire life. Every year the equine dentist comments on what good shape his teeth are in, but that isn't true of all senior horses. Common problems include lost teeth, gum infection, root infection, sharp tooth points, and hooks. Dental problems can increase susceptibility to choke, weight loss, and lower the production of mouth saliva, which means the stomach contains less bicarbonate, which is an important buffer of the strong stomach acids. Soaked feeds, soaked hay cubes, or soaked hay pellets can make eating easier for senior horses with dental issues. Some of the chopped hays like denji or chaff hay can also be easier for senior horses to eat. Stress. Older horses can be more sensitive to stress, whether it's moving to a different pasture or barn, losing an equine friend, finding a new horse in the group, feeling changes in the weather, or adjusting to new human caretakers. There can be stress from arthritis. In the horse's mind, not being able to move as freely means being unable to get away from predators. Dental issues can be stressors too, as well as hoof issues like thrush or skin issues like scratches and rain rot. I think we underestimate stress in senior horses if it isn't overt. All the senior horses at my farm get Biostar's Theracom because it addresses the brain-gut-adrenal axis. Theracom helps reduce cortisol from the adrenal gland, reduce inflammation in the GI tract, and supports the neurotransmitter serotonin. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. 
Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. So we're at Coffee Clutch, and the subject is the dog paw, partly because I'm obsessed with dog paws. I love dog paws. I, I love dog paws, I too. Know. And I like certain kinds of dog paws, and Me I'm very too. particular about dog paws. And I don't mean to offend anybody who has a dog paw that I may not be attracted to. That's not, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> I agree. But I like furry paws. I, and I like yeah. really well-shaped paws with trimmed nails and essentially an Australian shepherd paw <laughs> or, or a Malamute yep. paw. How did we know? Or a husky paw. I like all those. They're sort of square paws and they're not as, you know, some dog paws are upright. Um. You know, so that their nails, like a Doberman, is a little bit more upright. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them um, like snowshoes, like slippers on the dog's feet. And I, I really like when they're, when my dogs go in to the groomer and they get a bath and then they trim around their feet and, and they just look beautiful. And I mm. admire when I'm at the dog park. I always look at the dog's feet. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. No, I jigger. love I love me a dog a dog foot. I love it. I like I like I like when they're kind of walnut shaped. I don't know why they're just like a little. So give me a breed that's a walnut shape. <sighs> Burke. <laughs> oh, Burke's not a breed. I, yes, he is a breed, but he has the cutest feet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know that's – and that's being biased. Um, um, some greater Swiss mountain dogs can have super cute feet. You know, again, the same thing. I like their their paws trimmed, but I like kind of just sort of – I like a round foot. Like a round – like a round foot. Like a um, some, snowshoe foot. Like a snowshoe. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's walnut. You know, well, it's a little walnut-y, I think. Um <laughs> Hey, you got your time to describe what you were. You used your adjectives. I'm going to use mine. But um, when I think yeah, of a I, walnut. I think of a poodle. I'm sure some poodles can have cute feet. I like. I don't no, know. No, if no, it's... no. You're missing my point. I mean, poodles stand with more. They seem to have more toe. Uh, yes, I think that's yes. where their their digits okay, are yeah. longer. Yes, yes. And they're much. I like bonier. a shorter digited foot. Yeah. yeah. God, that's yeah. hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. I just, um, it, like, my, okay, well, my Frenchies um, both have incredibly cute, because they're a little bit shorter of a foot, a little rounder, and they're sort of fat, and they have to 
stabilize their little fatness, which is getting more about my own individual dogs. But I, I realized, but yeah, I, okay, Jennifer, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I digress. I apologize. Um, I, I don't have quite the particular needs when it comes to dog paws that Tigger does. <laughs> I am, I, I, I like sight hounds. And sight hounds have very bony feet with long digits right. for their work. Yeah. Because that's the, what they need to have. And they also, if they're not a show dog, if they're a working dog that does coursing or hunting, they're going to have a little bit longer nail because that helps them dig into the ground. They mm -hmm. need it for stability. And so that's the kind of dog I like. So I guess that's the kind of paw I like. Right. Well, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, there's just, I, I just... um dog feet can just be so darn cute, you know? Although I will say I like a Corgi paw because I like the Corgi that's attached to it. Oh, I love Corgi paws. Yep. I love it. My <laughs> very best friend paws has a, are great. Yeah. They're, they're some of the best. My very best friend has, um, my little nephew, his name is Oscar, or as we call him Aki. And he has some of the cutest feet I've ever seen. I mean, he's in, he's in the Burke category. I mean, He's got those kind of, and they're just, you know, like you said, Tigger, a little wider of a foot. Oh, and I, I mean, isn't it the best? Like if you let your dogs up in the bed with you at night, you know, most of my dogs will like lay on me and put their foot on, you know, put, and they're just so sweet to hold their little paws. Oh, I love you know? holding paws. Now, I, I love saw a golden retriever at the dog park. One of the most beautiful goldens I've ever seen. And she had the most beautiful, I was just hankering over those paws. You were hankering for a good foot. I'm sure you were. Just, they did were you take any pictures beautiful. of her feet? I, yeah. I did not, but I told the owner, I thought she had the most beautiful dog paws I've ever And I'm seen. sure she looked at you like, God, you're just the nicest crazy woman she's ever seen. <laughs> little quirky. Yeah, a little, that's all right. That's right. Yeah, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, people can see some very cute different types of uh, dog feet, but and it is interesting. Maybe huh? on a very subconscious level, we are attracted to dogs whose we think it's the way they look or their whatever, but maybe it's their feet. <laughs> just haven't realized that we're attracted to different yeah the breeds that we're attracted to is really it, partly it due be, to their feet yeah it could start from the foot up that's a very good point <laughs> that's a very good point but i will tell you i have now become very partial to an aussie foot so awesome. no they're awesome um catch's little feet are spank delicious i'm just saying <laughs> And sometimes they need a little squeeze. I, they, they do. It's, you know, it's kind of the lot, his lot. In life and I now. like a dog that allows you to touch their feet. You know, some dogs are very ticklish, paw shy. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't touch my paw. Yeah. Don't um, be doing that. You know, I'd rather have one hit me in the face with the paw than <laughs> go, oh, don't touch my feet. But, you know, it is funny because I do think some of them are actually, uh, someone had once said to me that when they do that, they're ticklish. And I think that kind of makes sense because I do have, you know, some of my many dogs that I have are a little bit more ticklish than others, for sure. But not my Aussies. They're slapping their big feet in my face all the time. <laughs> and does, does Glory slap her feet in your face, Jennifer? No. 
No, they're pretty which, dignified, aren't they? They're very generally speaking, racing hounds. I can't, I cannot speak to AKC greyhounds because they might be different. But the racing greyhounds we've been with are incredibly stoic and reserved. Mm-hmm. What they do like to do, at least the ones we've had, when they get really excited about something, like for example, dinner time with pumpkin, um, <laughs> they do the little thing where they jump in the air and they slap their paws on the ground. Oh yeah. And that can get really, it's amazing how that dog that only weighs 38 pounds can, when she hits your toe with that paw, oh my gosh, it's like a hoof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wow. Like yeah, and it's like a very, yeah, and that's got to be kind of a pointy one too. Yes, it's very sharp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and you know, she doesn't, she doesn't mind having her paws handled. What she doesn't like is having to hold her paw up while she's standing. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. If she's laying down, you can play with her paws to your heart's content. But if she's standing up and standing you ask up. her to hold her paw up, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall down. I'm going to die. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if she comes in and she's wet and got dirty paws, how do you clean her paws off? Uh, well, you, you, well, what you do is you, you, Stand astride the greyhound and you put her shoulders between your knees so that she can't zhuzh out of the way. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you, you face the front, grab one paw, clean it, get the other paw, and then you turn around and face the back and do the same thing. But I hold her between my knees at the shoulder. She's right the same height. Mm-hmm. As, that, yeah. So that she's still and really can't go anywhere. Because if you try to do it by just standing beside her, that's a hot mess. I end up with all the dirt on me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I just say, give me your paw. No, oh, that doesn't comes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and both and and all of the greyhounds we've had are total total DQs as far as dirt's concerned. Oh, dirt! Ooh, mud! Oh my! <laughs> That's kind of funny. No, they don't like that. Especially the first one we had. You could barely get get her to walk across the, the lawn. It's like, oh, it's gonna stick to my paws. Yeah, oh, we don't want that. Oh, that's kind of funny. Total house dog. Yeah. Um, that is one thing that, you know, the health of the paw is so important. And I I mean, I'm, I check my dog's paws every day and, you know, make sure that the pads are clean and, yeah, and And nails. Greyhound paws are very delicate. They, they don't get, they? they don't have a really good pad in that the, the hide on their pad is very thin, just like the rest of their skin. They have very, 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 very thin skin. Um, that cuts so if they walk through a rose bush, they're going to be shredded like a newspaper mm, shredder. Wow. So their paws are very prone to cuts and scrapes. So that's something that when they, if they go out and run, which they love. That's why they have the little booties. Yeah. They, you can put little booties on them. We used to get, um, they make paw toughener. It's, it's a mixture of beeswax and some other things to help keep the paw pad healthy. Or you can put uh, vet wrap on them. Yeah, because they like to go out there and run a little bit. And yeah, yeah, that's and that's a good idea is to, if nothing else, even if the paws aren't dirty, to examine them regularly and make sure there's nothing going on there that should be addressed before it gets. Because if it gets bad enough that they limp, it's probably yeah. big enough that it needs a vet bill too. Yeah, and that would suck. Yeah, right. Yeah. And letting the nails be too long is one of my just, I just, I can't. It makes me crazy. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't obsess over it again because of the type of dog we have. Right. That's an essential part of their existence. Right. You know, you know, because of the speed that they ob- obtain that they need to have those. But Of course. But on the other hand, and, and this is a mistake I see people do all the time, 
the dog's nails get too long. So they just whack them off short and they quick them. Oh, yeah. No, trim them a little, trim them normal, but trim them normal regularly. And the cuticle will retreat and don't, no wonder your dog doesn't want his paws picked up. You made them hurt. Correct. Be nice to your puppy's paws. Don't, don't quick them. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. So if if you have a paw fetish like we do, let us know on <laughs> healthycrittersradio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your Wookiee. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 